We are in Luke chapter 3, and we're going to have about 35 minutes left now. Luke chapter 3. There was a big gap between chapter 2 and chapter 3 of about 20 years. Please do, um, avoid trying to rush in to fill the empty places. People try to do that. They try to go, oh, okay, this happened next. And you'll see books written by people about the lost years of Jesus in India or England or the like. Ignore those things. They're all made up. Move along. It's a gap. And, and the Jews were very comfortable with gaps. By the way, scientists are as well. And we like to fill gaps, but you know, 95% of the universe is dark matter or dark energy. And we know eventually we're going to be able to figure out some of it. But we also know that crackpots fill it with uh, all kinds of weird ideas and put them on the internet. So don't rush in to fill the empty places. John, uh, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 1. Uh, let me try back up again. I'm just discombobulated, I think. Uh, Luke 3, 1. In the 50th, 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of Igeria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene. What, why would he do all of this? Luke, as we brought up, was a physician. Everybody knows that. He was also an artist, less well-known, but very well-attested in history. But he's the one that started the uh, form of art known as li uh, iconography, the flat on a board. Uh, the Orthodox Church still only allows that kind of representation. It also tells you that Luke was not a Jew, because Jews did not ever make um, art of a living person or dead person represented. It was just wasn't done. Um, it's part of their, the law, so they didn't do that. And again, it was so that nobody would ever worship of, of that. So that said, he was also a historian. John Lennox, who many of you uh, may have heard of, John Lennox is... Uh, perhaps the world's premier mathematician just now. He's an Irishman, and he works in Oxford. Uh, as uh, he, I believe he chairs mathematics at Oxford. He works with John Polkinghorne, Richard Dawkins, you're the atheist. John Lennox is not an atheist. He is an enthusiastic believer in God and in Jesus Christ as his son. And he writes books that are accessible. In other words, you don't have to know science and math. To, to, he's just, he's a wizard at making his point to where you're going, oh, I get it. He writes of Luke that there's never been a greater, more accurate, more precise ancient historian than Luke. Every single one of these names and territories was disputed until very, very recently. Uh, in fact, even in the 50s, People were being told in pulpits and seminaries that Pontius Pilate was not there at that time. And people believed it because they said the Roman records are very plain. Well, we found more records. And he was. Every one of these titles, names, and times is perfect. So that's why he put them there, is to lock it into a time and place. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, again we stop. We already know this because we've read John together. There's only one high priest. But the father-in-law was not going to step away and let the son-in-law be priest, except in name only. And so Luke here is being very accurate, 
even though legally that's not the way it works, Luke is just saying, this is the way that works. This is how you know. Again, he knew the area and knew the people. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That would also be in the first gospel sermon in Acts chapter 2. Baptism for the forgiveness of sins. A baptism of repentance. Now we'll just say this before we move on because I don't want to run down every rabbit trail possible. Um, when you're a traveling speaker, even one famously like myself that's not uh, doesn't have any theological degrees, I, I'm, I'm a scientist, um, God has, um, I asked God, <laughs> Why'd you pick me? And he said, frankly, you weren't my first choice. You know, and, and I truly believe that. I believe that uh, if the best won't go, he'll take whatever's left and use it. But I'm asked so many times, what do you think is the biggest problem facing the church? Is it millennials, the rise of atheism? Is it this, that, uh, you know, liberalism, too conservative? I don't like the question because it, I don't think anything's wrong with the church. I think, there's, I think it brings in people that have a lot wrong with them. But that's good news because it's the only way I got in. So I don't, I don't even like those discussions. But I will tell you this. After saying that, I'm going to contradict myself. I do believe we made a horrible strategic error in our theology. We emphasize baptism. That's not the error. Emphasize baptism. But we forgot to emphasize repentance. And so we had a lot of people baptized because they lost the argument about sprinkling or whatever. And a lot of people baptized because they wanted to date a pretty girl or something in the room. Or they were baptized because they wanted to follow Jesus. All good. But they were never directed to what you do before baptism is repent. And so we have people, it's like Lazarus when he was raised from the dead. Do you remember what Jesus said? Get the grave clothes off of him. Let him go. We have a lot of people coming out of the grave of baptism still wearing the grave clothes not aware that they're supposed to take off all those atti attitudes and way of life. It's not for me to judge any person other than myself. I just want to put that out there. Baptism has always been linked, yes, to forgiveness of sins, but repentance. Every so often, and I'm going to do it now, getting right back into it when I wasn't going to do this. I'll have parents present to me a very young child who wants to be baptized. And again, I'm not here to judge. I'm not going to forbid baptism. But I do sit down with the child, if given time and the right, and it doesn't look like it's going to upset the parents too much. And I go over some of the psalms with them. Lament, repenting psalms. And I'll, I don't ask them, why do you want to be baptized and such? Because they've got the answers, right? They understand uh, our unofficial catechism. They can get it right back to us. But I'll say, have you ever felt like this? And you'd be surprised how many times they're going, no. And I'll say, you want to be baptized because you want to follow Jesus. You already are following Jesus. But there will come a time in your life where you need him to forgive your sins and start over. Then we need to talk. Remember, we had one elder brought his son to me, Toby, um, to me. And uh, Toby knew it all. He did. He's a great kid. Knew it all. But when I showed him the psalm, he, his eyes got really big. And he didn't know humans had these feelings, I guess. So he said, no, 
I don't know what it was. It, it couldn't have been six months later. He came up to me and just kind of stood quietly beside me. I looked at him and said, you doing all right, Toby? He nodded. After a while, he said, you know those things we read? I said, yes. He says, I know what they mean. I said, let's go. <laughs> it's, 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 I, I don't want to know what it was. I'm not going to ask you. That's between you and your Lord. Let's hit the water right now, buddy. And, and I, again, repentance. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley will be filled in, every mountain and hill made low, the crooked roads will become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. There's a lot I'd like to say about this passage, but it's not our subject for the day. But I will say this, if you don't know exactly what he's saying, this is what he's saying. God and us, we, we, are, we are partners in this. Make it easy for people to find Jesus. Do whatever you have to do. Straighten the road, fill the valley, bring the mountain down, whatever you've got to do to let them find the Lord. Now, so a lot of our behaviors involved there, but our programs, our way that we do things, let's not make this harder than it has to be, to quote the leaders of the church in Jerusalem in Acts 15. It did not seem good to, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you beyond just a couple of things. Let's make it easy. I know. I find it very encouraging that God is not going to be satisfied until all people see God's salvation. And we're going to talk about that, but down the road, not, not in the next several months. Uh, by the way, in the next several months, we will be going through the books of Job, uh, Ecclesiastes, then Job, then Revelation. That's our 2020. It's going to be a hoot. Maybe a hoot and a half. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. Okay, John. I can think of better opening lines. <laughs> you know, they, they were coming out to be baptized. And he goes, hey, children of snakes. Hmm. John was a bit rough around the edges. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Well, we find out in the other Gospels that he's mainly addressing the religious arrogant class that comes out, the priests, uh, the uh, Pharisees, and the Sadducees. So um, he's talking to the only people Jesus ever got really angry with were the arrogant religious people. Sinners like you saw today. Hey, my grace has changed. You, you go in peace. I love that about Jesus. It's, it's just amazing. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, how can I, you're, you're not showing me you're changing. To repent, everybody wants a book de definition of it. It is far more of a concept than a book definition. It means a, re, a, a realigning and a redirecting. In other words, I walk this way, I'm going to walk this way. I used to do this, I'm going to try to do this. It never means that you are free from sin. It just means you're working. You're trying. Fruit worthy of repentance. Are we saved by our works? Absolutely not. But James makes it very plain. We're not saved by faith only. It has to be a response. Our faith has to be a response to God that is seeable. Again, with caveats. If you're bedridden, God's got gotcha, you. Right? 
If you're trapped like the woman in Luke 7, God's got you. But for most of us, sin is a choice, is it not? You know, I mean, for me, most of my scars are self-inflicted. Nobody else did that to me. I made a choice. And I made a wrong choice. And there are consequences to the choice. I'm not proud of that. It breaks my heart. I've had people say, you know, well, if you could live your life to live over, would you do it? And they're going, oh, no. Or others say, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm thinking, how slow a learner can you be? I'd change almost everything but Cammie. I'd save a lot of money by not dating anybody until I met her. Because, you know, what are you wasting your time on? I'm kidding. It wouldn't be a lot of money. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Um, moving on. Moving on. Uh, I had a little round bruises from a pair of people touched me with a 10-foot pole. Um, you're, you're supposed to do it. Thanks for getting that, Wayne. Um, we have Abraham. Don't say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. If you don't get this, um, I don't see it much in churches anymore. When I was a boy, I saw it a lot. When I was in my 20s, I saw it a lot. Remember one church, we were, and I wasn't leading the church. I forget what was going on. It's just a minor thing. But this one lady sat there, and she motioned me over. Came over to her, and she said, um, do you know who I am? And I was, my first thought is, honey, if you've forgotten who you are, we're going to find out. You know, but I decided not to go that way. Never mess with a neuroscientist. Uh, and she said, my, my parents founded this church. So what was she doing? And by the way, I was a bit of a jerk back then. I said, really? So what was Paul like? And uh, that, did, that did not go well. I should not have done that. Um, I'm not terribly proud of it, but at the same time, I want you to know it happened. I wanted to call her on her game. She's trying to flick the card on the table, saying, it's over now, buddy. I've been here forever. This is ours. No. You're dirt walking around in a fluid-filled bag. That's what we all are, people. And one of these days, the bag's going to go... And you're going to be done, like me. So what do you do? You have appropriate humility, and you don't tell Jesus, well, we're sons of Abraham. Who cares? It doesn't matter. You know, if you do my DNA, which they've done for many years, back and forth, um, with different things, because of research, it'll, uh, on first bloom, it'll come back that I'm 50-something percent Scandinavian. Well, it's because DNA lingers, people. They came to Scotland in the 800s, mind. But um, some of them came on ships. Some of them, there was forceful dating. Um, Vikings were unskilled in the romance. But regardless, I can't say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a son of Vikings, so I can go around and rape and pillage. No, no. Neither can you say, I've had people look at me and say, well, I'm Irish, I've got a temper. My mom's Irish. She's the nicest person you'll ever meet. It's not genetic. It's not DNA. It's attitude, buddy. Sort yourself out. Don't brag on it. Uh, here, don't say, well, we have Abraham. We've been in the church of Christ for a long time. I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Come on, it's not hard for God. And again, he said stones. I said dirt. Currently, in a bag holding fluid. 
same thing. God can find somebody else. You're not going to do it. God's going to find somebody else. That's what Mordecai said to, uh, to Esther, is it not? You don't do it. We'll find somebody else. Please. Now, that's a yes. Uh, I know lawyers want a yes or no, but I'm, I'm not going there. Is repentance easy or hard? I have realized some things I've done wrong where repentance was easy because, man, I could not wait to say I'm sorry. I'm backing out. That's just wrong. But there are other times I've had sins which I have treasured, nourished, been kind of proud of. Those were brutal. Those are brutal. If you don't know what I'm talking about there, I think you need to do some internal examination. You know, the Bible has a lot of thou shalt nots that we don't pay that much attention to. Like overbuying, overworking, overeating, and overdrinking. And we laugh at that, do we not? Those are cute sins. No, they're not. Over 100 injunctions against them. We will find the three or four that go against alternative lifestyles, and we'll hit those hard while ignoring all the ones we're guilty of. Charles Hodge, and there are two Charles Hodges. One's a great theologian. This isn't him. This was a country farm boy theologian in the Churches of Christ for a long time. Um, and he would always say, the problem with people is they say, your dirt's dirty, mine isn't. You know, what I do, God can understand. What you do, you need to be sorted out. He didn't say sorted out. He's from Texas. I don't know what he said. I can only understand half of it. Uh, the axe is already at the root of the trees. What does that mean? God is no longer going to save you because of your genetic roots. It's, this is, remember, the Bible says, no longer will anyone say to one of us, know the Lord, because all of us will know the Lord. It means you're not going to be born into a family and you're saved because you are born in a family. And later they tell you about God. The only way to be saved is to know who God is and to bow your knee. Please. God was faithful in bringing ever, uh, all of Abraham's uh, descendants to Jesus. And once he, made, once he got to that place in history, then that no longer was important. So that in the fourth chapter of Romans, the Bible tells us that Abraham is the father of us all. And your <coughs> comments about baptism, if I may. Please. Repent and believe. That's the issue that is set forth in, set forth in the gospel. We use 1 Peter 3.21, the life-giver baptism does save us, I think incorrectly, at least I did in earlier years. That doesn't mean it's unimportant. It's required, it's commanded, it but the word eperotema is the Greek word there that says it is the answer of a good conscience toward God, and that word in the Greek Testament says it is a prayer. Baptism technically is a, is a sacerdotal act that's yeah. important. It's a prayer thanking God for saving us by his grace through faith. No argument here. You're right. In fact, uh, if you remember, it's about a year ago now, we did a whole series on the sacraments. And most of the people are going, well, hey, hey, well, no, Catholics have sacraments. No, there are actions which bestow grace. And in Scripture, we're not afraid to, to call them that. Sir. It is. Well, that's where I wasn't going to go, Tim, but thanks. 
uh, I wouldn't have gotten on the stand if I knew you were going to ask me that question. I, have, I think I have been open that I am a hopeful universalist. I truly hope that God saves everyone. But I've not taught that. Instead, I teach he wants to. He seems to be involving us in doing it. People will say, well, what about Hitler? Why do we always go to Hitler? Come on, let's go to see your neighbor or somebody else. Let's, let's not go suddenly with the, with the big guy, right? I don't know. Do I believe that some will be burned up? Yeah, I do. I think that some on a day of judgment, if Jesus offers them salvation, if they'll bow the knee, won't. Their pride will follow them after death. It's those, it's those who call in the name of the Lord should be saved. Both Joel and then Peter introduced his sermon to that, and Paul picks it up in Romans 10. And I'm not arrogant enough to tell God what all he means by that. That's right. And, and Jesus actually says, not merely saying, Lord, Lord, but there's got to be some follow-up. Yes. That's the, you're absolutely, C.S. Lewis said, the gates of hell are locked from the inside. When I was a boy, in fact, I don't know why I didn't see it, but all, all the preachers and, and all the teachers said, you know, I will set up my king, you know, uh, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I was thinking, we can defend ourselves when hell comes at us. Gates don't attack. We attack it. Our job is to, as Luke, as Luke is about to say in the next chapter, set free the captives. Yes. Go get them. That's our job. We are the supply chain of heaven. Let's bring them in. And we can do it. I really believe, I believe God's doing it. I think it's just a matter of whether we're going to join in the work. But, but we're not anymore saved by our bloodline. We are saved by his blood. It's a different thing. So, what should we do then? The crowd asks. In other words, well, wait, wait, wait. We've been, we're children of Abraham, so we thought this is a done deal. What do we do? Jesus answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone with food should do the same. Okay, that's not what I was expecting. I was expecting uh, a whole lot more rules than this. What do you do? You start treating each other nicer, and you'll survive what's coming. Wow. Um, that's hard. Yeah. What, you got something? Or You can't whisper sweet nothings to Patsy when you got a microphone in your hand, Dr. Lim. We have a box for charity, and I said we need to set a second box for charity. Oh, there you go. That's, uh, that's good. I just want you to remember, you're on a live mic here, so no kissy face back there. My eight-year-old, we're taking him, and he's in the back of our car yesterday, and he goes, Granda, did you and Sugar kiss when you were teenagers? Technically, we didn't, because I was 20, she was a teen, but 21, 20, I don't know what I was, I was ancient, but uh, he said, you, you kissed before you got married? I said, yeah. What? He was just shocked. <laughs> Deal with it, buddy. She's cute. <laughs> so, anyway, I don't know where we're there. You led me astray there, Dr. Lemons. <laughs> but while we're on the subject. I love the way you love your wife. And I love the way, Patsy, you love him. You have encouraged more people than you will ever know. God bless you. That said, let's um, leap down back into the abyss here.
treat each other nice. Why is that so hard for us to understand? Jesus didn't ask us to do many mighty things. He just said, share, love, do that. Wow. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. I love that phrase. <laughs> Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Now, the reason he would tell them that is because they made some of their money by over-collecting. That's how they paid for themselves. He's saying, don't do that. If you're required to collect, it's most likely because the Romans have given you this job and you don't have much, you don't have much in the way of option. Or you're a very corrupt individual. And those are your two options as a tax person back in the day. And he's saying, just, if you have to do it, you do it. But you don't ever take more than you need to take. Don't you love it when you go into a shop and let's say you're buying cookies and they add a couple, or you're buying, and they, they'll put a couple in. That used to be, um, you know, the baker's dozen and such. It used to be tradition because in case the scale is off, I don't want to cheat you. It became a custom. As a part of the community, I want you to never feel you've been cheated coming into this place. And it was a great thing. In, in Breton, to this very day, they have sweet shops. You you don't understand what you're missing. You walk in, and there are these like five-gallon glass containers. I don't know how many, hundreds it seems, all with different kinds of sweets. And you'll come in, and he'll open up a paper bag. It's almost always an old guy. I get, don't mean to be sexist. Um, it could be a young woman, I guess. Uh, and he'll just hold it there and say, well, you like, you know, I want a quarter pound of the all sorts, and I want, you know, this, other, and, and, and they'll put it in, in the bags for you. You're going... Wow, you know, I, I love the sweeties, this is great, but it is, at least as far as I know to this day, still, when they get a little bit, and this is how much you want, they'll throw in a little bit more, every single bag, right? He's saying to the tax collector, you treat other people like you want to be treated, don't you take from them. That's what you do to be ready for the coming of Jesus. Some soldiers ask him, what should we do? And this is a pretty important one. I've brought this up several times whenever people say I have to be a pacifist to go to heaven. And I don't. By the way, pacifists are going to heaven. I have great respect for pacifists. I'm not strong enough to be one. Yep. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, and I'm not a strong enough Christian to be a pacifist. Right there in the middle. So what should we do? Drop your weapons of war. You, you No, no. He said don't extort money. And don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Because they can go in and rouse the family and take their stuff. You know, that's one of the reasons why there is the United States of America, right? Because the British had no rule against that. And so British soldiers would just come in your house, take what they wanted, eat what they wanted out of your field. Because that's what they did back home. That's what they did everywhere. And so part of your constitution, the Bill of Rights, is that you will never be required to give shelter and food to soldiers. Did you know that? It's in there. That's, um, might want to bring that up next time they show up. At your talk. It hasn't happened, but at least recently. Uh, and you say, no, you, you're going to have to be the people. While the rest of your lads are making out well, you don't. You're different. And you've got to remember that the peer pressure is awful, isn't it? Everybody, think of Serpico. Do you remember in America in the 70s, the Serpico trials? There was another name for him. I can't remember the name. It was something commission. Um, because of the level of corruption 
in the police force in New York City. And th these went on for years, these trials. The number of bad cops. And Serpico was one of the good cops who turned on his, you know, and, and showed people who the dirty ones were, and therefore he was in fear of his life. Uh, had to have protection. You're going to be the guy that doesn't cheat? Not only are they going to look at you and say, you're an idiot, they're going to look at you and say, who's he talking to? So it's not just a matter of behaving honestly, it's putting your life at risk by doing the right thing. Wow. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all. I baptize you with water. Uh, some early manuscripts say in water. But the one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I, I got to read the next one. And with many other words, John extorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. I'm going to suggest it didn't sound good at that particular stage. But it really is. Non-farmers in the room, or those that have not traveled to poorer countries in Eastern Europe or the like, when you gather the wheat in, uh, it has to be beaten. Uh, and you're, 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 not, you're knocking it down, you're knocking the shells loose from the stalks and such. It has to be beaten and threshed and beaten and threshed. And then comes the winnowing fork. That's a dirty process. Because you, you, there's, a, there's a breeze. Has to be a breeze for this to work. You get and you throw it high into the air. All that dust, all the dirt, all the chaff is flowing. Wheat is heavier. It falls straight down. And you do it and you do it and you do it. It is mind-numbingly difficult until just the wheat remains because the chaff is blown. You don't leave the chaff. You go gather it and you burn it. He's saying, Jesus right now is seeing who's going to join him. And who is going to be of no consequence, just burn away. Who's going to be with him? It's up to you. And that's a picture which all of them would have gotten. Most of us don't get because we, we've no, no done the, the winnowing thing. But if you ever watch it done, and there's probably some place on YouTube where you can watch it. It is so dirty. That also helps explain why the Gideon story is kind of a hoot because he was trying to winnow inside so that the bad guys wouldn't gather, grab his, his stuff. And I can, I can only imagine knocking on the door and he comes there, he's covered with dirt and just his two eyes. What? I wasn't doing anything. There's wheat in there? I don't know who put that there. I've never seen that. Just do the whole shtick. Um, but again, I was troubled by this passage when I was a boy, but not for what you might think, but because every sermon we had was a big baptism push, and then there was the, the, in, the invitation. It wasn't an altar call because we didn't want to call it that, but it was pretty much the same thing. Come on down, um, push baptism, and it was always in water. And then John here saying, you know, I do water, he's doing spirit and fire. It took a long time for me to read the Gospels long enough to understand what was going on. He's, he's not saying... Water baptism is not important at all. What he's saying is, it's going to be more than water. Amen. There's going to be a fire in you. I love the way Paul put it. Woe is to me if I preach not the gospel. I don't think he was saying there, if I don't preach the gospel, I'm going to hell. No. 
I think he's saying, if I don't preach the gospel, I'll explode. I have got to tell people about this. There is, um, it's about 20 years ago now, there was a series of commercials about a cholesterol drug. And the way it always did, a man would, you know, wherever he would be, um, at, at the health club or at work or eating at lunch or in an elevator, turned to somebody next to him, my cholesterol's down. Remember that? Always, my cholesterol's down. And one person says, why are you telling me? And he goes, I'm telling everybody. It was Jerry Tallman, the minister that, uh, I, w I don't want to say replaced. I came after Jerry in Rochester, Michigan. But Jerry stayed with us. He was still working. And in fact, he was a big reason I went there. He pulled me up there. He wanted me to, to take him. As he put it, we've danced this far, but I need somebody to take him the next. Well, he was being very gracious. Jerry just wanted to do pure evangelism, and he was a, a wizard at it. Jerry is very poorly now, so if you know Jerry, keep him in your prayers. He's my dear, very dear friend from he, many years back, yes. Never seen, he scared me. I would even be on the phone to Cammy when I, I hadn't moved up there. I didn't know what he was doing. And I said, this guy keeps trying to talk to me. I'm doing a youth rally, and this old guy looks like a car salesman, will not leave me alone. And I went to, a, at the time, they were called uh, um, something America, Super America, but now they're speedways. So I went to get petrol. And again, I'm, I don't live in Michigan at the time, whatever, and I hear a familiar voice. I look over. It's him. He hasn't spotted me. I almost dropped down because once he saw you, he was talking to a person he'd never met before, and by the time they were finished filling up their tanks, he had their name and a Bible study time set up. He would come constantly in, their, in, in my office and say, fill my sleeve, because it was wet. He'd been in the baptistry. And my kids got to where when they see him coming, they were saying, we've been baptized. <laughs> right, we're good. But Jerry Tolman said, why can't we be as excited about Jesus as that man is about his cholesterol? Why are you telling me? I'm telling everybody. Love Jerry. Absolutely love him. If you want to read his book, he had a method that he used. And one size doesn't fit all, but it's a good one. Um, HisEternalTruth.com. I think that's it. He's eternal. But you can also Google that and Jerry Tallman, T-A-L-L-M-A-N. Uh, and you'll, you'll find it. I love the man. But it's good news because it's going to set you on fire. Do you remember the old uh, spiritual? He'll set your fields on fire. He's going to kick. And, and by the way, they also set their fields on fire to uh, put nutrients back in the ground. People still burn fields for this. But they had to set their fields on fire sometimes to drive out the vermin. Remember in the Song of Solomon, one of the things that she's praising her guy about is he keeps the little foxes out. And you would use fire to drive out the foxes whenever they got out of control. So again, we're on fire for Jesus. We are being threshed. If you don't believe you're being threshed, take a look at your rearview mirror. I look at my, my life and I keep, which of these was my decision? I feel like I was herded in a chute like you do cattle and didn't know it. God made decisions for me. He limited options for me. I told Cammie, that's one of the, that's the only thing about growing older I don't care for. You know, there are aches and pains and all the like. But it's the limited options. It's kind of like, well, you know, I never did that and now I never will. 
Now it makes me tired thinking of it. But it's good news when God takes over. And we're going to have to stop there, but I'll just put verse 19 and 20 because it leads to something about to happen. When John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, and don't look him up unless you have a strong stomach, Herod added this to them all. He locked up John in prison. Isn't it amazing when our sins are pointed out, we tend to add to the list rather than remove any with by our reaction. Next week we have another class, and if I remember correctly, well, I know we don't have any the last two um, Sundays of the year, so 22nd and 29th 